oh, I'm Saul, I'm r- running through life, and, and, and I'm experiencing God, and uh, I, don't, I don't remember what the video says exactly, but that's supposed to be the Apostle Paul right there, and he's uh, telling you his story. Um, he, he's having, it's really powerful, like you're, you're all like really feeling the goosebumps right now. Um, you're, you're, you're like really feeling the speed, and, and uh, ah, he's reaching, so... Uh, and then you all like, yay, the Apostle Paul. So, yay, yay. Yeah, there, I, I'm, there was supposed to be sound, but I, I'm, I'm glad I could uh, fill in for it. So, um, well, <laughs> well, hello, uh, my name is Charlie Painter. Uh, I'm one of the young adult leaders here at Crosswinds and uh, also the, the interim. Oh, yay, I, I like young adults. Yeah, I like that. I'm also one of uh, the interim, um, okay, this was hard, I remember at the, the, the ministry director, or at the uh, business meeting, the interim temporary full-time uh, ministry, or di- er, executive director of ministry development, I think was the title, yeah, so <laughs> thank you. It's my title, I should know it, but yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm here. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, Happy New Year. I, I wasn't here last year. I know we were, we're kind of into it, but I, I, I don't know when I'm going to get to say Happy New Year. It's kind of random, but uh, I, I want to say Happy New Year. Uh, we were in Kentucky last week, a, a small group of young adults. Uh, here's what we did. It was really cool. We went to a young adult conference, and we just got to see... Uh, what God is doing in this next generation. And the topic of my um, sermon is about how to have a great start. And while we were there, we saw 11,000 young adults there just trying to seek the Lord and see what he has for them as they're getting started on their journey in adulthood and in their faith too. So while we were there, it was in Louisville, Kentucky, but we also made sure to make a stop at the the Ark Encounter. I know some of you have been to that. It's really amazing. If you're ever in the area, I encourage you to check it out. The the scale of it is amazing and the, the amount of thought and detail they put into it was great. But I, I really want to encourage you, if you're out there, this is kind of like the, the secret sauce, the, the hidden menu item of the ARC exhibit. Make sure you go to the playground. The kids' playground is, okay, if you're an adult, like definitely take your kids. But if you're an adult, kind of stick around till the kids get tired and leave, and then you can get on it. And you could go crazy. We had a great time on that. Uh, yeah, it was embarrassing, but we spent about an hour and a half up there. Uh, playing on the playground at the ARC exhibit. So, and um, my favorite picture, Wendy, can you zoom in on the top right picture? Um, okay, you, you get why I love this picture so much. Look at those kids' face. They are so disappointed in these five young adults hogging this carousel. They just want to get on the carousel. And Peter is just oblivious having the time of his life up there. So, uh, yeah, so all that to say, uh, I had a great start to the new year. Uh, Really uh, fun. It has nothing to do with my message. I just, I'm like the uncle who has a slideshow he wants to show you and you're all bored. But, um, but yeah. So, but but while we were in Kentucky uh, Sunday, we we did... uh, uh, joined the live stream. We were driving in the KFC, as you do when in Kentucky, uh, to get lunch. And uh, we were listening to Pastor Willie's sermon, and he was talking about a fresh start. It was kind of a New Year message. And I kind of have that too. It's uh, how to have a, a fresh start, or um, what was the word he used? Um, start over. So he talked about the woman at the well and how she just needed Jesus in her life to give her that 
that start over. She had had such a, a dark past, a difficult past, and Jesus came along and said, you know what? I give you new life. I give you this, this water that you'll never thirst again. And uh, I, I kind of want to focus on the same thing, getting a fresh start, but also um, starting well. When, you, when Jesus gives us that fresh start, and I think the Apostle Paul is a great example of someone who had a fresh start, and once he, he got running, he, he just took off. He had a great start. So I want to reflect on that today. So let's open in prayer and get started. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for uh, that you do give us that fresh start, that start over, Lord. But you don't just leave us uh, to figure it out from there, Lord. You want us to encounter you and see what you are doing in our lives so that we start running that race and we know we're going to make it to the finish line, Lord. And I just pray as I, I go through this passage, Lord, that you would speak through me, that you would um, remove anything that's of me, any thoughts that are in mind, Lord, and that only your word would come out of my mouth, Lord, and that um, anything that's of me, that it would just fall by the wayside and be forgotten. Uh, Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So how to have, how to start well the conversion and beginning ministry of the Apostle Paul. I got to check my notes because I got way into that playground. Um, <laughs> So let me set the context for where we're picking up today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts 9. That's going to be our main passage for today, Acts 9, verses 1 through 31. So turn there, and while, as you're turning there, I'm just going to give you some context for what's happening in the church, in the, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's known as Saul at this point. Uh, so uh, it, we're in Acts, written by uh, Luke, who's the historian who also wrote the, the Gospel of Luke, and he's kind of recounting the early church. Uh, Jesus has um, died, uh, buried, and rose again, and he's uh, ascended into heaven, and now the, the Holy Spirit is among the church in Jerusalem, and the Gospel is just spreading like crazy throughout all of uh, Jerusalem, and the uh, religious leaders who are against Christianity, they're starting to get nervous. They're starting to notice. They're seeing this church called the Way. We'll see it in the passage. It's called the Way. And when you see that, think Christian. That was like an early name for the Christian church. So the Way is really spreading. It's growing like rapid fire. And the people who are, are preaching are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're having a hard time like disagreeing with these people, arguing with these people. So they're starting to get really aggressive and really angry with them. And that's when we see uh, our first martyr, Stephen. Stephen is out preaching the gospel, and the religious leaders are challenging him. And he, he, uh, he paints out the whole Old Testament to them and points out Jesus was the Messiah they were looking for and how they were the ones who killed him. And when he, he points that out to them, that's when they take him out and they stone him to death, and he becomes the first martyr. And then at that point, persecution just spreads like rapid throughout Jerusalem. All Christians, like they're just going out trying to find all the Christians to beat them, to kill them, to, uh, to carry them off to jail. And that's kind of the scene we're at right now in um, Acts chapter 9. And Saul is one of the head guys who is persecuting the church. He's He's a, a Pharisee, a top Jew. He's super zealous. He, he is really passionate about his Jewish faith. And he sees this way coming in as a cult that is challenging his Jewish belief. And he knows he needs to stomp, stomp it out for what he believes is for his God. And, and uh, he doesn't realize that Jesus is the God that was promised 
the Messiah. So he is going out. He's trying to catch uh, all the, uh, the new Christians. They're, they spread out. They've mostly left Jerusalem. The apostles are still in uh, Jerusalem, but most of the Christians have uh, fled for the persecution. And now they're going through different cities. And he gets word that a bunch of the Christians went to a town called Damascus. So he goes and gets a, a letter, gets approval from the high priest to go and say, I'm going to go and arrest uh, as many Christians as I can in Damascus. And that's where we pick up in our passage today. So turn with me to Acts chapter 9, and we'll do uh, verses 1 through 9 first. But Saul, who uh, I will interchange, just to let you know, I'm going to interchange between Saul and Paul. As he starts his ministry, he, he changes his name to Paul, or his name is changed to Paul. Uh, but for a little while, while he's still uh, in the beginning of his ministry, he's still referred to as Saul. So I may bounce it back and forth between uh, that name throughout uh, this message. But, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So here we see Saul is, a major change has happened, and he's ready to get started on his faith journey. So we see Paul started well by first encountering Jesus. So before we saw Saul was not only not starting well, he was going the opposite way. Later he talks about his faith journey as almost like a race. And the way he was going, he was running the opposite way. And Jesus kind of stops him in this moment and points him in the correct way. And that's how we all need to start. That's how we, uh, we cannot go on this journey of faith without first encountering Jesus. Now, not all of us are going to encounter Jesus like Saul did. It's not going to be a bright light in an audible voice. I, I, I'm, I can almost say 100% guarantee, but not 100% that you will not experience him in that way. Some do, but uh, for you, it may be more subtle ways. Um, it, it, anytime you hear the gospel, you're, you're encountering Jesus. And what, what Saul heard was, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And each and every one of us, whether we know Jesus or not, there is this voice in our head that as we're going through life and we're having these struggles, there's this question like, why? Why am I sinning? Why am I lying? Why am I drinking so much? Why am I hurting myself? Why am I hurting others? Why do I ignore God? Why am I running from him? And when that question comes up in our head, we, the world may tell us that's your conscience or something like that, or Disney will tell you that's Jiminy Cricket. But what, what the Bible says is that that's the Holy Spirit convicting. That's part of his ministry is to go out and convict the world of their sins. And he, he's not condemning us because we're already condemned if we're not in Christ. So he's just calling us 
asking us why. Why do we struggle so much? Why do we have these hardships? And, and that spurs us on to say, yeah, why? And to seek an answer. And that's where we look and we look and we find the answer in the gospel. And that's where we encounter Christ. So, uh, let's turn, or, uh, you don't have to turn there, but let's look at Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So if you are out there and you've never encountered Christ before, but you have some of those questions, those why questions, uh, we can look at scripture and see the answer to those questions. And they come from the word of Christ. And if you're asking those questions right now, or you, you know people in your world who are asking those questions, that's why we, we use this tool around here called the ABCs to help them answer that question. And a, a, ABCs is just like a, uh, and a, ABCs, I forget what they're called, but let's start with A, which is admit. You admit that you are a sinner, that you're in need of a, uh, like help. Like you have these questions and you don't have the answers and you know that you have fallen short. The Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God and that we have been separated from God and that there's nothing we can do to connect with him, to, to get right with him, that he is just too high and we cannot repay that debt. So we're left in this place of like admitting that I need a savior. I can't do this on my own. I am broken and I don't know who can save me. And that's when you encounter Jesus and you were left with the choice. Like Saul, uh, he admitted, I, I don't know who you are. This, this voice calling out, why are you persecuting? He says, who are you, Lord? And then he says, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And that's when you're left with uh, uh, B, to believe what he says. That Jesus says, uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And that's your choice. And Paul made that choice, uh, or Paul believed Jesus when he said that. Uh, it was a pretty miraculous thing, so you, you'd be hard-pressed not to believe it the way Paul did. But we, we all are left with that, um, that decision to believe. It, do you believe who Jesus says he is? Do you believe he is the Son of God, that he came to earth to die for our sins, both 100% man, 100% God, born of a virgin, he died for our sins. He raised on the third day. And do you believe that? And then you have to make the choice. Do you choose to make him your Lord and Savior? See, choose. And Paul, he believed Jesus. He believed who he said he is. He said he was. But he didn't have to choose to get up and do what Jesus told him to do. Jesus didn't give him a lot of instructions. He said, just go up and go into this town and someone will talk to you. And he'll give you further instructions. And Paul made that choice. He said, okay, I believe, Jesus, you say who you are, and I'm going to move forward and do that. And the question is posed to all of us. Um, if you're past the step of admit and believe, you have to choose. And it's a free gift of God to choose. But it's also, you are giving everything. You're saying, okay, Jesus, I believe who you say you are. And what the implication that has on my life is that I am going to follow you and do whatever you tell me to do. So it's both a free gift, but also you're giving your life to it. So um, that's the ABCs we use. And that's, 
you, you can use a very variance of that. There's no magic way to do that. It, it's just a, a tool that helps us to share the gospel with those around us or in our own lives when we're struggling and we need those reminders to admit, like, I'm struggling with this sin. I believe Jesus can deliver me from it, and I'm choosing to let him guide me through that. Wh whatever it is, it's a, just a, t a tool we use around here uh, to remind ourselves of the, the gospel and it's continuing work in our life. So uh, with that, Saul has encountered Jesus. So now we're going to see what he does next. Now that he's made that, that, gone through that set, he's admitted he's a sinner, he believes Jesus says who he is, and he's choosing to go where Jesus is telling him to go. We pick up in Acts 9, uh, verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. I just want to stop there really quick, just the, the difference between Saul and Ananias. When Jesus calls out to Saul, he says, who are you? When he calls out to Ananias, he says, here I am, Lord. He knows who he's talking to. He is a believer in Jesus. So I, I just think that's cool. I don't have a point on that. But, uh. <laughs> and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands, his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on, on he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit." And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. Which leads us uh, to our next point, that Saul had a great start by being equipped by the Holy Spirit and the church. So he first encountered Jesus, and now he's being equipped for the ministry that the Lord is going to set before him. And he does that by being obedient to, to God. He, he does what Jesus told him to go into this town and to wait for a man named Ananias to come and pray over him. So when you first encounter Jesus, however that may be, or how you're encountering him right now as a, already a believer, um, you need to know that God has a ministry for you, that he has a purpose for you, that he wants you to do something. And when you be, first become a believer, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And that already equips you for so much. And it equips Saul. Uh, Saul was immediately empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he could go out and do and be obedient to the Lord. And he waited and fasted until Ananias uh, came. And then when Ananias came, that is when he... Saul was equipped by the church. The church came to him and met his needs. He, he prayed over him. He, he relieves him of this uh, eyesight, this blindness that fell off like scales. He baptized him. 
which is the, the, one of the commands of Jesus. He, he was helping him be equipped by obe- uh, continuing to obey Jesus, being baptized. And he prayed over him. So Saul is already very equipped as a Jewish leader. He's been persecuting the church for a long time. And this is where Saul is a little bit unique to maybe our circumstances. Unless you're maybe like a a militant atheist and you're well studied on Christianity and you know all the doctrines. That's kind of how we could see Saul is that he was already well equipped to attack Christianity. He knew about it. He knew their beliefs. So in some ways, he didn't need to be equipped how we may need to be, where we come into the church, and all we know is that Jesus has called our name. We don't know anything about Jesus. We don't know anything about his, his, uh, his, this religion, what this book says. We don't understand this book. And that's what we need to do. But Saul, he understood this book. He was a persecutor of those who believed in this book. Uh, he believed the Old Testament, but he was attacking um, the followers of Jesus in these scriptures. So Paul was unique in this, and I, I kind of want to reflect on how Paul recounts this part of his ministry in uh, Galatians. This is later on in his life. We were seeing this from, his, uh, from Luke's perspective, or Luke's writing of this, but this is from his firsthand perspective of what this looks like uh, now that he's later on in his ministry. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who is uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he used to persecute us in now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. And I just bring up that passage because it's cool to have his perspective on it too. But it's also recognizing that Saul is a unique case, that he has, he says he was completely equipped by the Holy Spirit in his conversion. He didn't need to go and do a lot of studying. And that's where it's a little unique to us, where when we first become believers, and I made this point a little bit earlier, that we need to go to the church. We need to be equipped. We need to consult with others and uh, find out how God has gifted us and where he is leading us and make sure we can handle the scriptures correctly. But that doesn't stop us from preaching the gospel, and it doesn't stop Paul from preaching the gospel. He, he went out um, no matter what, and uh, despite his past, he, he stepped into that with confidence. Um, so 
Paul is equipped. He's ready to, to preach the gospel. He's, he's been equipped by the Holy Spirit. He's received uh, some care from the church, from Ananias on that first day. And he's just spent a lot of time with God and reconciling what these last three years in uh, Damascus, what the Lord has done in his life and, um, and sharing that with everyone he can. Uh, but before we move on and see what uh, Saul is called to do, I want to reflect on Ananias a little bit. It's not really a message about Ananias, but it, I, I don't want to skip over him because of how powerful it is that Ananias knows who Saul is. Ananias knows that Saul is a persecutor of the church and how bur- the bravery it took for him to go to this man who he knows is coming to arrest Christians, to throw them in jail, to have them killed. But God says, no, I have another plan, another purpose for him. And I, I just want to encourage you as the church that we're not just here to build each other up, that there's people in our world that are scary, that you, you know that, that boss or that neighbor, that um, you're not too fond of how they speak to you or the, the music they play or whatever it is. And honest, if you're really honest with yourself, you're not too interested in sharing the gospel with them. And, and Ananias wasn't at all with Saul. He, did, he wanted to stay away from Saul uh, no matter what. But Ananias, got, Jesus called him. Jesus called him by name to go and do this thing. So he doesn't just call new believers. He's calling us to reach out to others, those we may not believe God can do a work in their lives. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to share, uh, also just reflecting on what if Ananias had said no? Uh, that's a possibility. I don't know if it's a possibility. Scripture is infallible, perfect. I don't know. But let's say hypothetically Ananias could have said no. What would have happened to Saul? Would he have just been left in that room for 30 years and no one would ever find him or uh, who knows. Um, But I I just want to recount a time in my life where I did say no uh, to Jesus. Um, It was a couple uh, years ago. I was working uh, uh, at this job and there was this lady there who uh, was not a believer. Uh, She had had kind of a hard life, a a lot of divorces, a lot of painful relationships. And um, she was an older lady and uh, her knee uh, she had problems with her knee, and she always limped, and it was a painful limp. And I, I would see her, and I would, I'd feel bad for her, you know, uh, but I never really thought there was much I can do for it. And then one day, I, I saw her limping, and I just got a sense. I didn't hear anything um, verbally. I just got a sense that I need to pray for her. I need to walk up to her and ask her if I could pray for healing for her. And, uh, and that scared me. Um, this was, you know, I, I was open about being a Christian at this job, but I wasn't openly evangelizing or anything like that. And I, I hadn't had any religious conversations with her. I knew she wasn't a believer. And uh, I really didn't want to do it. Um, and she was limping, and I thought, well, w- what if she says no? Or what if, uh, if I do uh, pray for her and Jesus doesn't heal her, that'll make me look like a fool and it'll be bad for his name. I was coming up with excuses. I did not want to do this. And ultimately, I didn't. And, um, and she limped along and I, I went home, felt bad. I, I, you know, I to- told some people about it. And they, they uh, reprimanded me rightfully, uh, good brothers in Christ. Uh, but ultimately, I didn't end up praying for her. I, and... It was about six months later, I think, I walk into the break room, 
And she's sitting there uh, across the table from this young adult woman who I knew was a believer. And they're sitting there and they both have their, their Bibles open in front of them. And they're both reading. And I walk up and I say, are you guys reading the Bible? And she said, yeah, we're, uh, and, uh, the lady, the older lady with the hurt knee, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just learning all about this. We're, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. And I find out that this young lady had led her to Christ recently, and they were doing a Bible study during lunch every day. And I look at that, and I, I think, you know, in my failure, I, I, I don't get to be a part of her story. But Jesus wasn't done with her. He said, I will go and find another. And it, it's sad for me, but it's also like, it, it's, it's a story I, I love because I know that he's, it, we are called to go and share the gospel, but he's not done with other people that we fail to reach out to. So if Ananias hadn't reached out to Saul, there would be another name in this Bible right now. There would be another name saying, that this man went in and had the courage to go and talk to this person. And that would have been sad for Ananias because Ananias is in perfect scripture for all eternity. Someone who ministered to the apostle that ministered to Gentiles, all of us. So in our spiritual heritage, Ananias is in there. And if he hadn't done that, we it would be, wouldn't have been another name, and he wouldn't have gotten the praise and glory. And it's all glory to God, you know. I, that story about me doesn't hurt me too bad because God ultimately gets all the glory. I just miss out on, on the blessings of it. But I'm also super blessed by how it turned out. So I, I, it's hard to be sad about it. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just wanted to go off is, yes, trust God, and you will be so blessed by what he does and if you fail, know that he, he'll just take the talent from you and give it to someone else. God is good, he is sovereign, and he is going to do what he is going to do. So uh, let's move on to Acts 9, uh, 20 through 31. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And, he, and has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple." But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them all, uh, among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied.
So here we see that Paul started well by entering into his calling with confidence. So Paul is passed, he's, he's, he's heard, he's encountered Jesus, he's been equipped to do the ministry that he's been called to do, which Ananias told him what he is to do, that he's to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and uh, the children of, in, uh, of Israel and the kings. So he knows what he's supposed to do, and now he's doing it with confidence. He's going everywhere he can to share the gospel, and he's doing it despite his past. We see here in this early part of this passage how sorry, I lost my place. Uh, we see here early in this passage that uh, Saul is first questioned. Like they say, isn't this the guy who is just killing all of us? What, what is he doing now preaching among us, sharing gospel, uh, um, like doing what we were doing, but he was persecuting us for it. What, what is going on here? And he didn't allow that to hold him back. He didn't have to go and try and convince them. He just did what he was called to do. He didn't let the naysayers uh, say, we know you're a fake. We know that you're not really one of us. And he didn't let his own past hold him back from doing that. And we could see this attitude in, in Paul in one of his uh, later epistles to the Philippians. Uh, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Think of that video that didn't have any sound at the beginning. Just that you, you saw his back. You never saw him look behind. You never really saw his face. Maybe the camera like cut to his front. But he's running forward and reaching towards that light. And as he moves forward and forward, he's getting further and further away from that past that Saul persecuted Jesus, that killed the Christians. He's no longer that man. He's reaching forward. He's pressing forward. He's becoming more and more the Apostle Paul who Jesus called him to be. And that's how we can look at our own lives and say, you know, I have encountered Jesus. And I am being equipped in my church, in my own Bible study, in my prayer. I'm being equipped to do what God has called me to do. So I can confidently look forward. It doesn't matter what I did back then, even if it was the exact opposite of what God is calling me to do, I can move forward. And even if it takes a while for other believers to truly believe it, or even for me to believe it, I know what Jesus has called me to do. And I'm going to do that with confidence. And it, it may not be pretty. It may take a while for anyone to believe me that I'm doing it. And, uh, and I will face opposition from the world. Uh, eventually, uh, it wasn't just that the the other believers weren't w welcoming him in. The, the world started resisting him like he had uh, at one point resisted the Christians. Now they're coming after him trying to kill him. It's the, the hunter is now becoming the hunted. And now he has to run away in Damascus. And that's when he runs away to Jerusalem after three years of ministry there. And when he arrives in Jerusalem, kind of the, the hub, the central point, the original point of the way church uh, Christianity, he's there, and they don't believe him. They, they refuse to meet him. They're afraid of him. And uh, th this is a part, as I was studying it, I was wondering, like, 
What was the church's problem? Were they not listening to God? Why didn't they welcome him in right away? And I don't know if they were doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but what I know is that the apostles were in that city, in Jerusalem, and they were godly men, and they, they were in prayer, I'm sure. They weren't just afraid of Paul. And I, I think that's a, a lesson for us to take in at, as a church, not to be so hard. When people are coming in, we welcome them and they, we invite them, but we're not too quick to uh, put them in places um, that they may not be ready to be or may not be proven to be. Um, it, it says that we're supposed to be as uh, innocent as doves and as shrewd as snakes. And as people come in, we want to be welcoming, inviting, but not take their word uh, for everything they say has happened in their life. We want to see that change in that time. And that's what Paul had to go through in Jerusalem. He had to build that relationship with Barnabas. And Barnabas said, hey, I've spent time with this guy. There's a real change here. And he's not going to hurt the flock when he comes in. So... I, I, I don't know what that balance is, and, I, and that's where I just believe that we, as people in the church, are filled with the Holy Spirit. We trust the discernment that the Holy Spirit has given us, and that we seek, yes, to restore everyone who comes in and welcome them, but we're careful as well to, so that the flock isn't hurt before we put them in a position that they shouldn't be. Um, so that's just my, my little takeaway from that. Uh, but eventually, they do welcome him in. They recognize Barnabas vouches for him, and they welcome him in. He meets with Peter. He meets with James, Jesus' brother. And, uh, and he starts to minister, and minister well in Jerusalem. And once again, he's, uh, he, he's doing it a little too well, and they want to kill him. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so once again, he has to flee. And that's kind of where our passage ends, that this... This man who was once trying to destroy the church encountered Jesus. He was equipped by the Holy Spirit and the church, and he stepped into confidence so early in his journey that the world wants to kill him. Satan wants to see him stopped. And that's, you know, I, I don't want any of you to get killed or anything, but I really want you to step into what God has for you so much that Satan wants to see you stopped, that the people from your past are wondering is that the same guy? Um, I, I want to see that life change in my own life and for all of us. So uh, before we get into our takeaways, or we're getting into our takeaways, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, the final verse is that uh, I, I just, it's a really powerful final verse. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Because of the work of what all the Christians were doing, not just Saul, but because of the confidence that Saul had in the calling that Jesus had on his life, the church grew, the church multiplied, the church saw peace. And that's because God knew exactly what he was doing in Saul's life. And, what, and he knows exactly what he's doing in each and every one of our lives. If we just trust him, to walk in that confidence, ignoring the past, getting further equipped, and stepping into bold things that you never thought you would have done. If you told me I was going to be up on this stage a year ago, I would have had a panic attack. So <laughs> I still kind of am. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, with that, I'll, I'll get into the takeaways. So the first one is, how are you seeking Jesus today? 
um, you know, he had this amazing encounter with Jesus, and, and Jesus will reach out to us, but Jesus wants to be encountered every single day, and we should seek to encounter him every day. And how are we doing that? Are we waking up first thing in the morning with the desire to encounter Jesus, to get a good start on the day, not just our, our, our faith, our walk, our year, but today, am I seeking to encounter Jesus to see how he wants me to move forward with today? So are, are you doing that? And, and how are you doing that? Uh, I really encourage you to have a morning devotion time. At the conference, they were talking about how it's not necessary to have a morning devotion time, but church history has proven how successful that it has been in the saints through all the, the centuries, that a morning devotion time is what really makes your day powerful and, and that you sought and you encountered Jesus early in the day and you can walk forward in obedience with him. And you're equipping yourself too as you read scripture, and, um, and pray. The second uh, takeaway is what resources do you have to be equipped for ministry? So some of those resources are personal resources, our, our prayer time, our, our scripture reading, um, meeting with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. But um, here at Crosswinds, our, our kind of word of the year is equipped, and we want to make sure you are equipped for whatever God has called you to do. And maybe you've sought Jesus and you're not quite sure what he has called you to do. And that's what we're here for you. We, we have the spiritual gifts class coming up in a couple weeks. And we encourage you to, to attend that. If you don't know how God has uniquely gifted you, please attend that. And, and we're here for you to help you figure what, what that uh, gift is. Saul didn't know what he, he was doing. It was Ananias who came along and told him what Jesus was going to have him to do to preach to the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. So uh, I, you can learn a lot with your personal time with Christ, but it's really the church where you come along and we see you and we see you interact with others. We see your gifts flourish and start to grow. And the Holy Spirit in us kind of informs us like, hey, you have a real gift of hospitality or you have a, a gift of prayer of faith. I think you should lean into that. I think you should look into that. And the spiritual gifts class is a great place to do that. So please consider um, attending that if you haven't done that. And join a life group. We're starting life groups next week. And that's where you get real close with other believers. You, you share meals. It's not just Bible study. It's like we really see who you are, and you see who we are in those situations. And that's really where we get the insight, and, and God says, hey, this person... They have this gift, and they really seem passionate about this. I could see this ministry really flourishing with them in it. And finally, how can you foster the confidence you need for ministry today? Um, so Paul, he, didn't, he, he did this really well. He didn't struggle with this. He didn't seem to struggle with his past so much. He just jumped right into it. He had that great head start. But sometimes... It, we can let our past get to us. We can let others remind us of our past, or in our moments of weakness, we let our past get to us. And when that happens, we just need to remember that God loves us. It, it, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you did, God loves you. That's Romans 8.28 in the Backstreet Boys. So, um, <laughs> um, sorry, I wrote that and I, I had to do it. It didn't go well. <laughs> 
but Jesus loves you, and he's called you according to his purpose. And with that, you can have confidence. Just remind yourself that it doesn't really matter what you think of yourself, what others think of you, what, what the opposition you face from the world. All you need is Jesus' confidence, and, and the church will come along, and maybe the church will doubt you like it doubted Saul for a little bit. But come to church, seek Jesus, uh, be equipped, and have confidence that Jesus will do a great work in your life and the lives around you because of that. So with that, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for uh, this example you've given us in Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul, Lord. And uh, how many of us, Lord, have a name that you can just transform that like, wait, that, that person is now doing this? That is so much so that it's almost like they could use another name, Lord. And Lord, we just really want to seek you. We want to encounter you in our everyday life, Lord. I pray that you would uh, show yourselves to us in new, unique ways, Lord. And as we seek you, that we would find you and be equipped, Lord. We thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. I pray for this church. I pray for Crosswinds, Lord, that as we go into the new year, that we would have the confidence to go into our worlds, to speak to those that maybe scare us, Lord, and know that you are with us, that you have equipped us, that you have set these good things, these good works uh, for us to do. And Lord, we don't need to be afraid and know that you're going to be there with us, that you will have a beautiful ending for us, Lord, that at the end of the day, we could say, we, will, we can say, I have run the race, I have kept the faith, and we will meet you in the end, and you, you will say, well done, good and faithful service, servant, as you said to Paul. Lord, I pray each and every one of us can experience that. Lord, uh, I pray that you bless this worship service in Jesus' name. Amen.